Even at 91 years old, my grandma Virgie is a formidable opponent in the game of mahjong. I'm visiting her in Oceanside, California for the holidays because I wanted to get a chance to see her again before she moved back to the Philippines. I figured I'd spend some time playing mahjong with her, chatting, reminiscing. Lola, do you remember the first time that you learned how to play mahjong? You were the one who taught at how to play the mahjong. No. I didn't teach you. Yeah. No. Where did you learn? Where did you learn? Oh, yes. No, I already... Remember? When I came to the United States, I already know how to play yeah. mahjong because in the Philippines, I learned it already. <laughs> Turns out, she learned how to play mahjong at the office when she worked at the LTO, which is kind of the Philippine equivalent of the DMV. Because I'm the chief of record, I have a, my own uh, room. Then we, <laughs> during office hours, we were playing. We played, including our chip, and the janitor is our, <laughs> is our guard. When there are some visitors who come, he's gonna tell us, so we will we are not caught. <laughs> I never thought of my Lola as one of those coworkers who like to slack off at the office, and that's when I started to realize I've really only known her since she came to the United States, when she was already more than sixty years old. To me, she was always the rosary praying, prices right watching grandma who took care of me when I came home from school. But she had an entire lifetime of experiences in the Philippines that I never really knew about. In fact, maybe I didn't really know her at all. Hello, I'm Lino Nicolau, and this is Culture Jumpers, stories about making the jump from one cultural context to another. In today's show, stories of my Lola Virgie in the Philippines, and why, after three decades living in the U.S., she wants to make the journey back. When Lola Virgie was about 19 years old, she was traveling back home from the funeral of a relative when she found herself crossing paths with history. When we were going home, just one kilometer from the house, there were some insurgents. They were called Balahap because they were trying to fight the Japanese government who came to the Philippines. Quick historical note here, the Hukbalahap were a group of communist guerrillas that helped fight the Japanese invasion during World War II. When the war ended, they couldn't get any representation in the new Philippine government. So they began a campaign of attacks and raids against the Philippine military, as well as civilians. Okay, back to my Lola. I was in the front of the jeep. Our driver just came from the PMT and he's in uniform. They think that we are soldiers. PNP then, is Philippine National Police. Yeah, then I was at the middle between two who were hit by the bullets and I got a lot of 
blood at my back. Oh my then when I was trying to see where the bullets are coming, those who tried to ambush us, they shot me. My shoulder was hit by a bullet. And then a truck came alone from Manila who saved us. But two of us died because they were not able to ride on the truck. When we reached the hospital, they think I was the most uh, critical among the passengers. I got hit by a sharp nail on my shoulder. How about that, my shoulder. that went to your ribs? Yeah, it went the three. third. That's, that is the one. That's the one? It was uh, the third the ribs. Under my bath, that's why the, the doctor did not try to have a surgery on it. That is how I escaped death. The Hukbalahab lost the support of the public because of attacks on civilians like these, and the rebellion quickly fell apart. It was one of the early challenges that the Philippines had to face as a country that was just coming out from colonial rule, and my grandma was a part of it. Lola Virgie went on to talk about a few other close brushes she had with death. There was that one time a boat crashed into hers and she had to be saved from drowning, or the time she got cut off by a truck while riding a bicycle on the highway and she fell into a ditch. They said that I am a, like a cat who say, who <laughs> wish nine lives. Now, how many is that already? One, two, three, four, five, six. I still had three more, three more accidents before I, I meet death. No, ma, they said it's a saying in the Philippines that uh, bad grass doesn't die easily. So, <laughs> what do you think of me? Well, I'm not. Ma, you, you I think that, you yeah, belong yeah, to that category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You always. Uh, yeah, it's a motto. Bad grass never die. Now, I'm not a bad grass. I had 10 kids. All of them grew up and got their college education. And my children are all good to me. I'm very, very happy. That's how I prove that I'm not a bad grass. Not only was she not bad grass, but she also wasn't a bad entrepreneur either. Uh, there was one apartment near National Teachers College, which is uh, vacant. I rented it. It is just in front of the fire department. I made a grocery store for grandma and grandpa, and my mother, who cooks well, those who are in the fire department, and some of those uh, colleges each there during noon time. That store, or Karandiria, as it's called in the Philippines, ended up playing a pivotal role in how she met my grandfather. How did you end up with Lolo Max? Your grandfather, every Saturday, Sunday, she knew that in the evening after my class, I served also those uh, who come to eat in my mother's Karandiria now. He was sitting with your Auntie Pilang. I was thinking that he was courting your Auntie Pilang. But when I went home, went home to teach, he sent me a letter that he says he loves me. 
I told him that I don't love him very much. I have a, a boyfriend there. He's mechanical engineer. <laughs> Your grandma, they voted for him. So that's it. We were married. And so your parents wanted you to be with Lolo Max? Yeah. Did you and Lolo Max date before that? No. No date? No date. What happened to your boyfriend? He, uh, my boyfriend, he was there during our wedding ceremony. Did you even like Lolo Max before? No. Your Lolo Max was my classmate in the high school, third year and fourth year. That's why I hated him, because they always drink and they are very rude to our teachers. You know why? The grandpa of your Lolo Max is secretary of education in the Philippines. Wow. That's why. I could hear my mom laughing behind me at how hard it was for me to fish a romantic soundbite out of grandma. Like, my grandfather passed away more than 40 years ago. And when I tried to ask her what she missed the most about him, she said, When he was uh, alive, he makes more money. Of course, I miss the earning, his earnings. <laughs> it made me wonder, was Lola Virgie and Lola Max in some loveless arranged marriage the whole time? But something else happened while we were in the middle of playing Mahjong that made me think maybe the truth was a little bit more complicated than that. I'll sing the theme song of me and your grandpa Max. My song of love, it comes your way from break of dawn to end of day. It made me cry. Oh, how I sigh. Kisses sweeter than wine. Tell me how I missed you. Tell me you realize my song of love to you. I love you, Max. That's a good one. It's hard to talk to Lola Virgie about her past life in the Philippines without eventually getting into her desire to return there. For the past year, my Lola has been getting more vocal about moving back to the Philippines. But the complications of COVID-19 spread across the globe have put those plans on hold. So how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. So what's going on? This is my auntie Malou, the fifth oldest of Lola Virgie's 10 children. She's been caring for her mom at home since the beginning of the pandemic. Lola Virgie had been hospitalized after taking a bad fall, and COVID made it too risky for her to recover in a rehab center. I wanted to talk to Malou because she, more than anyone, probably had the most insight into what it's been like with Lola over the past year. Like, what's your sense of why she's so eager to go back? Wants to go back? Yeah. 
It's because, you know, most of the uh, old people, they want to die in their homeland. We have a family uh, thing in the in the cemetery, and my dad was buried in there. And she's been saying, I want to be buried there. And plus, she said that I want to spend time with your auntie and uncle in there too, and my grandkids in there. Yeah. Because, you know, she's been here. But it depends on the situation. Because I don't want her to just go there. So I told her, you want to go home? You want to die there yet? But if you go, I, I was telling her, but if you go there, you'll die right away. Because <laughs> at first, I, I think the COVID was getting better. And then this Omicron came. Right Now it's really bad again. I said, it's better to just stay here for a little bit until everything is okay. And you're feeling like it should be safer here with yeah. you guys? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. I feel like it's safer here. She had a infection, UTI one time. Yeah, I remember. When she went to the hospital, and because it's COVID, you cannot uh, even visit her. Yep. I have to be honest. First time I, I went home that she's not there, I felt so alone in the house. I cried. I'm like, you know, sometimes I feel tired taking care of her but when she wasn't there and then when the nurses always call me oh your mom wants to talk to you I was at work I'm crying because she said when are you going to see me when are you going to visit me I said I can't you know when she gets sick it's really hard for me yeah I know I'm tired but I miss her when she's not here I think I miss her when I get mad at her. <laughs> I always get mad at her. She always like argues. She always like makes me mad. <laughs> but yeah, that's. Uh, I'm sure she knows that I love her. Sounds like it's been a lot on you. Oh, too much. Yeah, sometimes I. Um. Okay, let me tell you the truth. Okay, I was kind of like. Having depression, that this is my life, you know? Yeah. Second time that she got sick, and your uncle was sick too. Your uncle can't even walk. Like, Did the Raleigh? Yeah, he has this gout. And then last year, he had a stent in his heart. He had surgery. And also, I cannot go. It's even harder because, you know, I want to take care of him too, but I can't. I'm taking care of my grandma and I'm taking care of my husband. You know, the only thing I feel sometimes, if I get sick, I wonder if somebody will take care of me, you know? That's why I want to retire this year. If grandma goes back home, I want to spend time with my grandkids. For Malou, Giving up the responsibility of caring for her mom is going to be hard, especially when it means having to be far away from her. But now Malou is a Lola herself, and she doesn't want to miss out on that experience. Deep down, I think Lola Virgie senses this, and she's thinking maybe by going back to the Philippines where she can get affordable, round-the-clock care, she doesn't have to feel like a burden on her family.
In Mahjong, there's a stage of the game called waiting. It's when you're mostly finished setting up your hand, and you're just one tile away from winning. Maybe that's where Lola Virgie feels like she's at now. She's achieved her ambitions already, and wants to make sure she goes out on a good note. She's just waiting for that last piece to come. Today's episode of Culture Jumpers was produced, edited, and written by me, Lino Nicolau. Special thanks to Malou Hamto for contributing her voice to the show. And a shout out to my mom, as well as all the other aunties who helped play Mahjong with us, including Maribel Sison, Vanji McNeil, and Bless Solomon. I'm already Mahjong. Really? I thought you were getting it. I heard a voice from heaven which told me that he died. Okay, that's all. And thank you. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to all my children and their family, although they are not with me. Okay. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Are you blessing the Do you still want to ask something? <laughs> <laughs>